but joy comes in the morning. Nighttime in Scripture is a time of pain, suffering, sorrow, disappointment, all of the hardship things, all, all of the difficulties. It's night. Job said, so are wearisome nights appointed unto me. When I lie down, I say, when shall I awake and the night be gone? And I am full of tossings to and fro unto the dawning of the day. Wearisome nights appointed to me. The Bible tells us that a man that is born of woman is of a few days and full of troubles. I wish I could tell you that once you get saved, everything's going to be rosite and everything's going to be wonderful and money's going to hunt you down and people are just going to love you. Everybody you know is going to think you're the greatest thing ever. But it's just not like that. In fact, the Bible said, many are the afflictions of the righteous. Many. Now, when Jesus uses the word many, you're talking about Jesus talking here, and he says, many of them, many of them. He said, many travel that broad road, many and few. There's a great parallel in there, that, that many and few. There are many that go in there at, but on the straight and the narrow, few there be that find it. So this, this thing of suffering is a, is a real question mark in Christian discussion, the whole discussion about who we are in Christ. What, what is the intent of suffering? What, what does suffering cause? The Bible said that Jesus, that he might learn obedience, suffered without the gate. In other words, the crucifixion which we call the humiliation of Christ. The humiliation of Christ is that he took upon himself the sins of the whole world, that he was made to be sin for us who knew no sin, neither was there any guile found in his mouth. So most of the, the, the inspired word of God is about going through difficulty, getting through hardship. In fact, the whole story of Israel is one of struggle from start to finish. Story of Abraham is struggle from start to finish. And that God blesses and God prospers and fulfills his eternal purpose and his plan for every one of us, but it's not without difficulty. Not without difficulty. So that everybody that names the name of Christ and everybody that uh, participates in the redemptive provision, they are no stranger to hardship and difficulty because they've learned how to prosper even in times of hardship. And to grow through experience is that oftentimes diminish others. I want to talk about growing today. How to grow more stable in such an uncertain world. An uncertain world. How to really know that you know that you know. That your relationship with God is, is good and great. That you know that you know that you know that the victory is yours and that if you'll just keep pressing on that things will get better. There are seasons in life and there are seasons to plant and sow seed. There's seasons to reap the fruit of what you've sown. All of those things are biblical and we understand all of those things. Many of the psalms are written from the heart of a hurting psalmist. David, the man after God's own heart, can you say that? The man after God's own heart, David. 
was a man that often found himself in lamentable situations, often found himself doing things he thought he was incapable of doing. This sweet singer of Israel who wrote so many of the Psalms was actually an adulterer and actually a murderer. And, and he wept before the Lord and wrote such, such songs as, O Lord, restore unto me the joy of thy salvation, for my sin is ever before me. When I lie down, I, 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 I'm full of, of wrestling and I, I, I'm tormented in, in this, this pain. All of kind of, the Psalms are different categories. There are praise Psalms. You know, the praise Psalms. Bless the Lord, O my soul, all that is within me. Bless his holy name. And then there's the lament Psalms that come out of a heart of anguish and sorrow and hurt and pain. 27, all of you know 27, don't you? Psalm 27, boy, that's the one. The Lord is the strength of my life. You know that one. Hey, could we read it? You got it there in your lap? Let's read it together. I think it'd be great if we just all read the Word of God together today. Psalm 27. Yes, it's over there in the Old Testament. There you go. Right before Proverbs. There you go. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked, even mine enemies and my foes, come up on me to eat up my flesh, they stumbled and fell. Though an host should encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war should rise against me, in this will I be confident. One thing have I desired of the Lord, that will I seek after, and that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For in the time of trouble, he shall hide me in his pavilion. In the secret of his tabernacle shall he hide me. He shall set me up upon a rock. And now my, shall mine head be lifted up above mine enemies round about me. Therefore will I offer in his tabernacle sacrifices of joy. I will sing, yea, I will sing praises unto the Lord. Hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice. Have mercy also upon me and answer me. When thou saidest, seek ye my face, my heart said unto thee, thy face, Lord, will I seek. Hide not thy face from me. Put not thy servant away in anger. Thou hast been my help. Leave me not, neither forsake me, O God, of my salvation. When my father and my mother forsake me, then the Lord will take me up. Teach me thy way, O Lord, and lead me in a plain path because of mine enemies. Deliver me not over unto the will of mine enemies, for false witnesses are risen up against me, and such as breathe out cruelty. And I had fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage, and he shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. How many of you know that it's beneficial to wait upon the Lord? That great verse in Isaiah chapter 40 when he tells us, they that wait upon the Lord shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. These times of difficulty and to 
know what to do, to know how to respond and how to act. God has given us various things to help us know how to get through tough times. Robert Shuler wrote the book, Tough Times Don't Last, but tough people do. Are you one of those tough people? I said, are you a tough people? Are you one of those tough people that last through difficulty, that survives the difficulties of, that come? Out of the hardships of pain and sufferings in life come God's infinite blessings. That's why you have Psalms like 27 and 91, 107, that is a lament psalm. All of those psalms tell us, yes, life can be tough, but there is a way to make it through it. And that is through depending upon God's will and God's purpose and God's plan that God has given to us great and exceeding promises. Promises that he'll never leave. Promises that he'll hear us when we pray. Promises that he will not allow us to be tempted above that which we're able to bear. Promises that he will come again and receive us unto himself. That where he is, there we will be also. And the promises of God are wonderful foundation material for you to stand on. You can make it through the storm if your foundation is secure. And that security is the promises of God. Standing on the promises of God. Rather than sitting on the premises, we're standing on the promises. And if you're standing on the promises, then you should have this great joy these folks sang about today. The great joy is the result of knowing that you believe in your heart with all the, that is within you that God is able to take you by the hand and lead you through difficult times. Oftentimes I hear people say, I really just couldn't stand that. If that ever happened to me, I, I wouldn't make it through that. Yes, you would. Yes, you would. Because I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. In olden times, for lack of a better way to discern the will of God, in the book of Exodus, God gave all of the Hebrew people a way to discern the will of God. And when he established the priesthood, when Moses backed down the mountain and refused to go up and to lead the people up, the people that refused to go with him, said, Moses, you go and you experience God for us, and then you come back and you tell us what God said. And there we have the first instance of the priesthood of believers. A priest is one who goes to God for people. Amen? He is one who bears the burdens and the hardships of the people, and he carries them to God. And then God gives him information. They come back and they preach what God has given to them. You know, in the early church, the Bible said, we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and which we have heard. So then the process of priesthood of believers is that you get in the presence of God and then when you come out of that experience, you tell what you saw and what you heard. What you learned in your experience and your confrontation with God, then you're able to be a witness. A witness of what you saw and what you heard what you learn when you were in the presence of God. And that's what preaching is. 
Preaching is you go to God for people. God gives you a message. You take it back and you become a prophet then because a prophet is one who goes to people for God. Amen. You see that? So in this priesthood of believers, God had this uh, priest and who was the person that was the first one? Aaron. You remember? Aaron was the first priest and his sons were those of the priesthood. And as a result of it, the tribe of Levi became the priesthood group. They became the, the people that administered the sacrifices and did the priestly work in the temple. Now, you remember when the, the tabernacle was uh, mobile, it moved about because the people of God were mo mobile, mobile. They wandered in a wilderness. And as long as they wandered, God said to Moses, said, Moses, I want to meet with my people. I want relationship. I want fellowship with my people. They are my children. I am their father. I want to have relationship with them. Therefore, the Bible said they built what God ordained as a tent of meeting. Tent of meeting. It was a portable thing for when the cloud moved and the pillar moved, the people of God had to move because they followed the pillar and they followed the cloud. And as they followed the pillar to the cloud, they would have to take up stakes and move the, the temple, the meeting place with God. Amen? So then uh, all of the, uh, the, the priesthood operated in this tent of meeting, this portable tabernacle that moved about when God's direction and God's will moved with the pillar of fire and the pillar of, of smoke. So then the people were led by God, led by God. Now, how do we do that now? God more permanently has fixed that entire situation. And Jesus has become the high priest of our profession of faith. Amen. In the Old Testament, these people had to simply go about inquiring uh, through the priesthood. The priest had on a, a, a garb, the, the, the first layer was of, of linen. The second one was of a pure blue, the Bible said in Exodus chapter 28. It was a pure blue, and then there was a, a ephod, a, another covering that went on the outside. Now, if you had to preach with three suits on, I'd say you'd get pretty hot before you got through preaching. But the priest had on this, this three-layered uh, uh, garment, and he had on a, and it, it's him, the Bible said it had uh, pomegranates sewn into the figure. They were scarlet, and they were of royal blue, and they were of uh, uh, white in nature. It had, had symbol. The, the, the bells, the Bible said, hung uh, one on the other of the pomegranates that were embroidered into the bottom of the rope. Do you know how they had a, the bells on the garment of the priest? So that while he was back in the Holy of Holies, nobody could go back there, you know. It was a place so sacred, so holy, that only the priest could go back there, only the high priest, just him. And if there was any fault or any failure or flaw in him, he would die immediately. If he did something that was in, not in keeping with God's order and God's regulation in going back and offering sacrifices, then he would immediately die. The wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then there was this calendar day. Every year there was a day of atonement. 
It was also called the day of Purim. And you would come and you, you would bring uh, your, your offering that you would offer to be sacrificed. And uh, it involved a dove or a pigeon, in most cases a lamb. And you're right, the church had become so commercialized at the time that there were money changers and there were, because people came from 19 nationalities to this day of atonement and this day of Purim. And when they would come, they would bring their money from their country of origin and they would come and need to change their money into Hebrew. And so into shekels and to denarii. So they would bring their money in and that's why Jesus, you remember, overturned the tables because there was cheating and there was robbery and all of that kind of stuff going on in the house of the Lord. And Jesus said, you made my house a den of thieves. You made my house a place where people come to lie and steal and cheat. So he turned over the tables. You remember that? I've preached about it a lot of times and talked about the, I said, take the doves away and uh, overturn the table. You, you can remember all of that. That priest had on this priestly garb and this, this robe. So you would bring a, a, a lamb and that lamb would uh, have its blood shed. For many years, the blood of animals sufficed for the sinful uh, deeds of human beings. For many years, the priest would take that, that animal back into the Holy of Holies and he would do the priestly act of, of cutting the, the uh, animal and it would let its blood and its blood would be, be shed for the remission of your sin for that year. In other words, next year you had to come back and do that again. The Bible said in Hebrews that every day a priest, every priest standeth daily in the temple offering sacrifices which can never take away sin. It could cover it up. It just couldn't take it away. It could uh, sweep it under the rug. It could uh, put it in some time lapse thing to deal with later but it could never be taken away. It was not possible, the Bible said, that sin could be taken away, simply covered up, atoned for would be a proper term. But the Bible said in the next verse, but this man, do you know this man? This man's name is Jesus. But this man hath once not offered a lamb, not offered a dove, not offered a pigeon, but he hath once offered himself. In fact, the Bible said he bore in his own body our sins on the tree. He was made to be sin for us who knew no sin. He became the one who bore our iniquity and bore our sorrow. The chastisement of our peace was upon him and with his stripes we are healed praise God who is that priest that's the Lord Jesus the Bible said who hath passed into the heavens hallelujah and there he dwells right now as the intercessor for every one of us he ever liveth somebody say ever liveth he ever liveth to make intercession for us what a wonderful Savior and what a wonderful intercessor our high priest is but there is no longer any need for us to take an animal 
There is no more need for us to assemble at the temple in Jerusalem. There's no more need for that because 2 Corinthians 6, 16, know ye not that ye are the temple of the living God. As God had said, I will walk in them and I will dwell in them and I will be their God and they shall be my people. Wherefore, why is that wherefore, therefore? Wherefore, come out from among them and be ye separate, saith God, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you, and I will be a father unto you, and ye shall be my sons and my daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. Wonderful. Seventh chapter starts, wherefore? Wherefore, or because of what's just been said, wherefore, having these promises, dearly beloved, what promise? The promise that I'll be a father to you. The promise that you'll be my sons, you'll be my daughters. The promise that I will dwell in you. The promise I will walk in you. Is there anybody in this house that God is living in you? Is there anybody in this building that God is walking and dwelling in you and he is your father and you are his children? Having these promises, dearly beloved, let us, let us cleanse ourselves. Well, now, Pastor, I'm really depending on God to do most of the cleaning up in my life. Well, he says this is uh, kind of a dual role here, and there's some synergism in this. That means participation. That means God does his part and you do yours. God supplies the blood of Jesus. God supplies the grace. God supplies the love. God supplies all that is needed, but he can't do it unless you participate. What's my role in that? When the Philippian jailer asked, what must I do to be saved? What was the answer? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, thou and thy household, and thou shalt be saved. In one of the little Johns, I call them over in the back of your Bible, it says this, confess. If we confess our sin, he is faithful and he is just to forgive us of our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And here's a good one. Repent and be converted that your sins may be blotted out. Anybody in this house that have had your sins blotted out? Anybody that's been forgiven of sin and your sins have been blotted out? Blotted out? Blotted out? God said that I may remember them no more. We used to sing in the sea of God's forgetfulness. That's good enough for me. Praise God, my sins are gone. If he has blotted out our transgressions, if he has blotted out the ordinances that were written against us, and he has nailed our sins to his cross, Colossians 1, if he's done all of that for us as our 
high priest of our profession of faith, then he surely hasn't left us without direction about how we should live and how we should make it through this difficult things that we call happen in our life. How do you get past those things? One of our very good friends committed suicide just day before yesterday. And I, when I was told that, I was just shocked because there, there were no indications, no conversation, nothing like that. Life can become sometimes overwhelming. There is a possibility of mental illness and mental sickness. There's a, a, a place that a person that can say, I can't stand it anymore. But I want to tell you, that's not the language of Christian people. The language of Christian people is, I'm going to trust in the Lord. I'm going to hope in the Lord. I'm going to put my faith and my confidence in the Lord. That's not to say that Christians are the only people that have that. There are people that have that kind of resolve that are tough people. But I want to tell you this, that if your house is built upon the rock, when the flood comes, when the storm comes, your house will stand firm because it's built upon the foundation. And that foundation is that Jesus has become the propitiation for our sin. That means payment in full. And that you have become a new creature in Christ Jesus. Old things passed away. All things become new. So in this this priest, boy, I'm spending a lot of time on him. He's very important because now what he used to be, you are now in your own life. You're the priesthood of your own life. Amen. You get to go to God for you. I said you get to go to God for you. The apostle Paul said, therefore, brethren, let us come boldly before the throne of grace that we may obtain help, help, grace to, need, to help in time of need. So whatever you need, the Lord says, take it to the Lord in prayer. This priest had on this robe with the bells on the bottom, and as long as they would hear that bell jingle, they would know that the high priest was still alive and that he was still offering sacrifices. They actually would tie a rope, Josephus said, around his leg in case he died back there. They would have a way to get him out. Can you believe that? And this priest would go back and he would, he would jingle as he would walk about offering sacrifices back in the Holy of Holies. And as long as they heard the bells jingle, they knew he was still alive. I believe God's put some bells in every one of us. I believe every one of us have a bell inside us, and it lets us know that Jesus is still alive, that Jesus is still active, that he's still offering sacrifices, that his blood still avails, that forgiveness is still available, that repentance and, and conversion is still necessary, that you do those right things and participate, and you're the recipient of God's wonderful salvific provision.
that priest had on a, a ephod, and on, the, on that ephod was 12 precious stones, symbolizing the 12 tribes. And there was writing on each of those precious stones. And underneath the ephod, there was a bag, and it contained two precious stones. Josephus said they're sardonyx. Eusebius said they were diamonds. I really don't know because that whole process is so mysterious. And one of the stones is called the urim. The urim, and it means light. In the Bible, light always means knowledge. In the Bible, light always means information. It always means uh, knowing. Thummim is the name of the second stone. Two stones. And that second stone, the, the Thummim actually means perfection. And it means judgment and it means decision. So it means perfection. So in order to have light on things that are pertaining to decisions and doing what you, God wants you to do, then it's necessary to not only have light, that's information and knowledge to make good decisions. Come on, somebody. So what happens is in the Old Testament during this time period, the early wanderings, that if they wanted to know God's will, they would ask the priest to bring the ephod. And the priest would bring the ephod and get the stones out, and they'd ask their question. You remember when David, and he was in the cave at Adullam, and his men were fighting, and when they got back to Ziklag, it's a crazy word, isn't it? Ziklag, they found that the enemy had come, the Philistines had come and ravaged their camp and took their wives and took their children and stole their possessions and left with them. And the Bible said that the men of David, he not only had a lot of other problems, he had problems with his men. They wanted to kill him. They said, you're such a terrible leader. Now we've lost our wives, we've lost our family, we've lost everything we had, it's been stolen. And the Bible said they wanted to kill him. And David said to Abiathar, said, hey, bring the ephod because I need to ask God what we're going to do about this. And the Bible said when Abiathar brought the, the ephod and he brought the Urim at the Thummim, then David began to inquire, Lord, should I pursue? Should I go after these, these guys? Should, do you want me? Is it your will? Is it your purpose? Is it your plan for me to seek after these guys? And, and the stone answered, yes. Go back and re, you will recover all, the Bible said. I wonder if any of God's people have ever taken that kind of mentality. If you fought a good fight and fought a good battle, but it seemed like the devil, the adversary, took away something that was precious to you and took away something that was of value to you and it hurt you very deeply to lose that. Did you ever have the courage 
to say to the Urim and the Thummim, God, do you want me to pursue after this? Do you want me to, you want me to take steps to get this back? Well, I want to tell you, God is a God of restoration, and he's a God of healing, and he's a God of reconciliation. Amen? And sometimes when you mess up, you mess up so bad you leave a mess. Well, God will help you to recover things that the enemy and the adversary stole from you. Yes, he will. Now, God gave David some good people around him. One was a guy named Gad. G-A-D. I bet you haven't heard much about Gad. Gad was quite a friend to, to David. He did a lot of things to help David make decisions. You see, you need to understand there are people that God places in your life to help you make good decisions. Jonathan, David's real good friend, was fighting in the battle and he had an armor bearer, and if he would just have listened to the armor bearer, if he would have just said, do you think we ought to go up here and fight this battle with these Philistines? Said, said they sent us word where they are that it, they, they would show us something if we would come. And he said, is that a trick, or is that for real? God, do you want us to fight that battle? It would have been good if he would have asked the armor bearer and the armor bearer might have said, no, you need to leave that alone. Have you ever had anybody tell you in your life, no, you don't need to do that? No, that, that relationship is not really something you need to do. Have you ever had somebody that loved you enough, cared about you enough, that would dare to tell you, you don't need that. Well, Pastor, he, he's just misunderstood, and he's got this problem, and uh, he likes to beat up on people, but, you know, I, I think if I love him, I believe he'll just, he'll change. No, he'll beat the heck out of you. You better leave that rascal alone. Well, he's messed up. He's, he's got a lot of problems in his life, but I just really believe that, that if he could just get, 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 get married, get straightened up and sit, sit down and, and do right, I believe he'd need make. Who are you, kid? Have you ever had people in your life that were strong enough that they would dare to tell you, hey, have you lost your mind? Because sometimes, oh, they, oh, I've got Jesus in my life. I've got the Holy Ghost. Well, wonderful for you, but you still do stupid stuff sometimes. <laughs> and you need somebody to look you in the eye and say, hey, don't be stupid. Don't be stupid. Well, I wish I had one of those machines. Don't you, Don, one of those Urim and Thummim that would tell you what you ought to do? Man, that'd be better than having a Rolex, wouldn't it? Boy, I wish I'd have had one of them over the 37 years I'd be here. Man, uh, so many things I wouldn't have done and so many folks I wouldn't have come on, come on staff with me. Amen. And sometimes, Sue, I was so stupid, I let people tell me, hey, 
<laughs> he just tore up one in another state with another pastor, and I was stupid enough to think he'd be a sweet young thing for me. Not. Not. Boy, I wish one of those had one of those Urim Thummim machines, don't you? That should I or shouldn't I? Boy, that would be fantastic, wouldn't it? Well, God did not leave you without something to tell you right from wrong and something that will help you come out a winner and it's laying here on this stand and it's called the Word of God. The Word of God. The Word of God never fails. The Word of God is inerrant and it's infallible and it's eternal. You can stake your life on it. I said you can stake your life on it. Wow. Come on, Olivia. Have you ever read in the Revelation where God said something about some white stones, wasn't it done? Uh, a white stone. He said, to him that overcometh will I give a white stone. A white stone? What in the world is that white stone about? That white stone is about this very process that we're talking about. The same thing of having something to tell you right from wrong, something to give you. And what that lets us know is that God has given to every one of us a permanent priest. Not a seasonal priest, not a sometimes priest, but God has given to us in the heavens a high priest, a chief priest, one that is above all others, that God has given to every one of us, one who will help us through all the difficulties, one that will let us know what the will of God is. Let us know what the Word of God is and how valuable it is to this whole nuance of living through difficult times. There are some pretty tough people sitting right here. I've known you decades. I've watched you. And I've seen you go through tough, tough things. Some of you, I've buried your children. Some of you, I've been through very difficult times with you. But we're sitting here today as a testimony that tough times don't last, but tough people do. And here I am sitting in a house of God saying, blessed be the name of the Lord. Here I am today to declare and testify that serving God is the right thing to do and loving Him and worshiping Him and doing the things that please Him are the things that really count in my life. Stand with me, please. You know, one of the sad things about it is when David sent Abiathar and those boys for the ephod, Jonathan sent word back to David, said, we don't have it. 
We don't have it. We don't have the ephod. We can't, we can't have any Urim and Thummim because we can't find the ephod. Well, the reason they couldn't find it is they hadn't used it in so long. You know, so many people that are going through difficulty, you can't just let it set over in the corner somewhere. You can't let this humum and this thumum just sit on a table somewhere and as you go by say, oh, there are a lot of stories I could tell you about that. They had to look it up because it was somewhere under a tree, I think, is where they finally found it. You know, so, so many people come to me and they'll, they'll, they'll ask me something. I'll say, well, have you done this? They said, no. And I said, well, don't you know that that's where you start? So many people, they pastor, I've got this, I've got that. And I said, well, have you prayed about it? Uh, well, no. Duh. I mean, first on the list is pray about it. Amen. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Amen. Until you do that, it's just going to escalate and get bigger and involve more and more until it eventually becomes something that overwhelms you. I've learned about all of these, these kind of difficulties. The sooner you catch it, the better off you are. The sooner you pray about it, the sooner that you confront it. Amen? You know the guy that got the, got the praise of the Lord Jesus at the temple? You know what he prayed? Lord, have mercy upon me, a sinner. And Jesus said, that man went down to his house more justified. Why? Because he owned the fact that I need this high priest. I need this guide to help me make right decisions. I need this friend that sticks closer than a brother. I need this prophet that lives in my life. I need this relationship with a God who cares about me and is committed to taking me to the end of the way. He said he won't take his hand off of me. Demetrius, that just blows me away. He said, I won't take my hand off of you until I complete, are you listening, until I complete what I began in you. If God started it, he'll finish it. Do you hear what pastor said? If it is of God, the Bible said quit fighting it. If it's of God, you can't stop it. And the sooner you get with whatever God is doing, you know, so many times I want God to get in what I'm doing. So many times I want to get out there and get out front and say, we're doing this and we're doing that and we're doing the other and, and let's just pray God's blessing on it, would you? God, come over here and bless my mess. When we ought to be saying, Lord, help me find out what you're doing and let me get with you. 
and let me get in one mind and one accord with you. Let, let me get in harmony and union with you. Help me to connect with you, God, for what's important to you is important to me. And the direction you're going is the direction I'm going. And help me to get my steps ordered by the Lord and help me to walk in the path you want me to walk in. You'll find out life will be easier and the road will be happier if you'll just get with God. Thank you, Lord, for allowing us to be in your house today. And thank you for letting us hear this message about the Urim and the Thummim. Thank you, O oh Lord, for a process of knowing, knowing the will of God. You, you don't want us to be in the dark concerning your will. Help us, Lord, to know your will and do your will. Not just be a hearer of the word, but a doer of the word. And help us, God, get with those things that are important to you. We bless you and we praise you in departing today. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. God bless you and God go with you is our prayer. You have a great day today in God and you have a great week.